the internet, and welcome to season 171, episode 5 of Dear Daily Zeitgeist, yeah! production of iHeartRadio. Uh, there's a little noise in the background. Uh, a young prince. A young prince is uh, rummaging around. Uh, this is a podcast where we take a deep dive into America's shared consciousness. It is February 12th, 2021. My name is Jack O'Brien, a.k.a. Zeitgeist, Zeitgeist, the daily Zeitgeist. I love cake and have hot takes. No coal gas means less suicide. Zeitgeist, Zeitgeist, the daily Zeitgeist. That is for a handful of parents <laughs> who have heard the hot dog song. Uh, Ramsey, what'd you think of that? Did I nail it? My, my four year old is here. How was it? Good? Yeah. Uh, and I'm thrilled to. Oh, that. <laughs> uh huh. Yeah, yeah. No, that was great. <laughs> yeah, sure thing, man. Anyway, make with the cookies. <laughs> that is courtesy of Anarcho Gunhaver, based on the uh, They Might Be Giants Mickey Mouse Club theme song. Uh, and I'm thrilled to be joined once again by my co-host, Mr. Miles Gray. They said he's so hungry. Subway so far, so he cries, cries, cries in his Mazda car, thinking if there's nothing missing in his life, then why is he crave tuna subs at night? Oh, and, wow. Uh, there's a tear, a tear. trickles down my yeah. face for that one. Uh, that is from Christy Yamaguchi Main on the Discord or Gucci Slain or whatever. I'll use your biblical historical name. Yes. Will. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that was beautiful. Yeah, uh, thank you for that. Mm. <clears throat> Let's give it a moment. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, well, we are thrilled to be joined in our third seat by the hilarious and talented Kyle Ayers. Thank there you. Thank you. You know, it's Christy Yamaguchi, man. That's art. That name is art. Yeah. yeah. It's, I mean, I would expect no less from that. I would be so happy if I thought of that. I will, wouldn't do anything the rest of that day. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. you, you yeah. like, I've done, an, I've done some stuff Yet today. He persists. It's like yeah. the, the hustle. You, you got to admire it. How was your week? Uh, how was that Super Bowl for you, Kyle? Oh, it's bad. You know, as yeah. far as like one isolated game, I'm a Chiefs fan. So, right. I remember. It, 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 it was right. fun to answer the question Does football have to be a team sport? It turns we out. all got to answer it. And it turns out, <laughs> yeah, you need a team. Because uh, can one man do it? No. Will that stop him from trying? Absolutely not. Man, that was like as bad as that game was for the Chiefs. Like just some of the throws he was making, uh, Patrick Mahomes, like as he was like there, there was one throw, you know, he was just running around for his life. Uh, behind the line of scrimmage, yes. but he was like making throws, like with his head, like almost the on the greatest ground, like incomplete passes down. you've yeah, ever seen. Ever. Oh, no. And it sounds dumb to be like, "What a great incomplete!" But it right had he had that were dropped. That's what yeah, the most frustrating dropped. part is. Yeah, hit a man always in dropped. the face mask in the end zone while throwing the ball while he's parallel <sighs> to the ground. H- had he caught that, the highlight still would have kind of disappeared because they lost. But right. It's, but would they have lost? I, I don't think it's a hyperbole for me to say that might have been the greatest throw I've ever seen in my life, and it <laughs> doesn't too. matter because you know how you like you always hear like like uh, the best this the funniest thing that's ever been said was probably not during a stand up show the greatest basketball shot that's ever been made was probably a backyard horse shot none of us oh, saw yeah. right that right. was the greatest throw I've ever seen in my life and it got dropped it hit a dude in the face it was hit a guy in he the kept face hitting mask. people in the hands and the face mask and they were dropping it. It is like if all of the catchable balls he threw had been caught, uh, I I don't know that you guys would have lost. Even the game maybe goes was... in a different path. Right, too right. many things went wrong to say yeah. that. Like there were a lot of bad penalties that I disagreed with for the first quarter and a half. But then yeah. they did not have an offensive line, which you need. You need, you need it. yeah. It felt but... like. Have you ever played a video game against someone who knew the buttons? <laughs> right. <laughs> right. <laughs> This is like if I've never played Madden, but I pick the best team, I'm going to get some weird plays by just hitting X. Right, right. Do you know what right, I mean? Right, Even right. if yeah, I don't yeah. know what's going on. That's yeah. kind of what it felt like. And it was yeah. not fun to watch, but I'm still... You try and keep things in perspective. Sports fandom is such a bizarre thing. 
If yeah. you think about it, like it's a reality show I've been watching my whole life. <laughs> right. And they finally rewarded my char- like character last year after 30 years of them not getting it. Like so Susan Lucci Emmy, Emmy win after decades. <laughs> of being it right. felt more like the Peter O'Toole Oscar win uh, <laughs> where we were 140 years in and they were like, he might not be here next yeah. year. <laughs> and so this is, I still have to be like, I could I can't believe that guy's the quarterback of the team I watch. Right. He's yeah. the most fun Kansas City's never had the most fun player in any sport. Now they have Steph Curry. Yeah. Which is like he's probably the best and he's by far the most fun. Yeah. Absolutely. So I, think- I just got to be happy to be there. I'm just uh I am tired of Tom Brady and that's not even his fault. Well it is, but yeah, not is. a negative thing to him. Yeah. All right. Um all right. Kyle, we're going to get to know you a little bit better in a moment. Yeah. Uh, first, just a few of the things we're talking about. Uh, we finally got sort of a analysis of what American uh, life would look like, what uh, the last year would have looked like with a competent or at least an averagely competent uh, response to the COVID pandemic. So we'll talk about uh, that. Uh, we'll talk about Republicans reacting to the impeachment trial and QAnon reacting to uh the the president's loss or i guess America shout out q anon yeah <laughs> <laughs> um we will talk kyle's uh, got a new audience he's working with yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, we'll talk about gina carano uh getting dropped from the mandalorian uh cocaine hippopotamuses uh which is a fun phrase uh mm-hmm. we'll talk about uh, the just very strange drama behind the Game of Thrones guy, Benioff and Weiss's uh, new Netflix show, uh, which is that series, uh, The Three Body Problem, that I have been just halfway finished. through reading for a while. Oh. Uh, You're not done yet? Oh, no, man. I, I gave up on it. But oh, uh, yeah. Wait uh, for I, that TLDR from you. <laughs> uh, I, I read the. Um, Wikipedia summary, so I can still give that to you. Okay. Cool. Uh, and we'll talk about Ted Cruz's <laughs> relationship to the cast of his favorite movie. All of that, plenty more. But first, Kyle, we like to ask our guest, what is something from your search history that's revealing about who you are? So the last thing that I Google searched was toe puppy behind bike thing inexpensive. Hold on. <laughs> Let me try. Toe puppy behind bike thing inexpensive yes oh so a little cart to drag your dog in behind your bike yes okay inexpensive i'm just trying to envision because i know google speak yeah i was like hold on this this isn't just a jumble of words it's a real thing got it what's that called the toe a trailer it's called a trailer it's the same as it is if it's not for a dog it's a word we (laughs) all know (laughs) but sometimes you got to dance your way around the word before you say it right Right. And, and then you can find it like the media with white supremacy Right. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. And and racially it, that, that way you never actually um, have to say it, but you can find yeah, it online. Provocative language. <laughs> right. Uh, just a bunch of isolated incidents all crowded together in a group of 11,000. <laughs> 11,000 isolated incidents, incidents within six feet of each other. Right. Uh, so you know, these are just some misguided patriots really trying to. Um... So anyways, I got my dog a, a thin blue line trailer to tow behind my uh, bike. <laughs> Uh, what's the what's the dog trailer market look so, like? So they're about I'm, so it's all over the place. I got this mm-hmm. puppy. He's it's his five month birthday today. He was born on September 11th, wow. if, if, so you can remember. And um, not <laughs> on purpose. They didn't. That's induce just labor. why you bought. Right. <laughs> that's why you bought the puppies with that. It birthday. didn't hurt. I I thought <laughs> when's well, when's my girlfriend? Born? Yeah, I wanted to name him Jet Fuel. He that was refused. Um, yeah, and then Building so, Seven so, was the other name that didn't work. Right. Right. He had a lot of siblings uh, that that we were trying to get to. Gotcha. Um, but I, I wanted to tell him behind my bike because he just likes to be outside. He's real small. I thought it could be fun to go to a dog park with it. And I just thought it'd be funny to have. So I was looking it up and I feel like this tells a lot about me because bike, puppy, inexpensive are all sort of like three of my top tens. Yeah. Nice. Bike, bike, uh, bike is one of my biggest new things now. I'm just, I'm just a bike and fool. Yeah. If I it's can really, bike somewhere, really nice. I like to go there. Cause it's like, yeah. it's so I'm realizing the car thing gets stale 
And when you're really dealing with like limited stimuli, you really, it's like really have to take it upon yourself to vary your like way you move about and things this like that. This thing so. happened to me where I told my girlfriend I was going to go to my other room and I went and sat in my car. And that's when I realized I might need to figure <laughs> something out with the vehicle. Like it might be getting a little sad and a little <laughs> isolated here. I was like, I'm going to go to my other room. And then I just sat in my car on my phone for a minute to be alone. Yeah. And yeah. I was like, maybe the bike needs to, let's air the tires back up. There you go. Yeah, people don't can't uh listeners can't tell but Miles is in a full one of those uh bike racing outfits. Yeah, the, the skin Lance, tight. The Lance Armstrong. Weirdly enough, he has crisis. the speed walking helmet. <laughs> yeah. Look, I mean Kyle, man, when you get to some of these speeds, I would I would be remiss to not take my safety yeah. into consideration. It's smart. It's smart. Yeah. And so I want to get my dog a little thing so he can that'd be fun to take him out and kind of go explore a little bit. I live in Atwater Village in LA. It's pretty flat. And there's a right. path right there. So I think it's manageable. Uh, but, you know, you start reading reviews of stuff online. It gets so overwhelming. You don't buy anything. Yeah. Right. Reviews are the they're so poisonous. And it's so like I've had to develop. And I think most people have to develop like the filters to look at a review and understand what is actually trying to be said. Like whether. Yes. Is this an actual review of the product they bought? Or is this person a shitty partner bought a gift last minute? It didn't yeah. arrive on time. It was the wrong color, and they're taking out their shame as a bad partner on this product vis-a-vis the review. Because I, I see say, so yeah. many <laughs> restaurant reviews like that, too. So the, a phrase that is not held up in any capacity is the customer is always right. That was written right. by someone who never met a customer. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah, that's just a like a manipulation tactic to draw the right. customer further into your financial trap. Uh-huh, yeah, uh-huh, right. uh-huh, 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 come on in, come on, yeah, sign that, uh-huh, you're ready, yeah, no problem, we'll do that, uh-huh, and now you owe us your baby. Yeah, so I didn't buy one, because they're too many, but, right. uh, you know, I'm going to find one, if anyone has Rex, send them to me, and I think it'd be fun to sort of bop around with them and be that guy, and then I'm slowly trying to become that guy in all the harmless possible ways in my new neighborhood. Right. <laughs> it's the bike, it's the dog yeah. bike guy. Yeah. <laughs> um, what is something you think is underrated? So, I, I... I think I I I asked this morning while I was eating breakfast. I asked my girlfriend both underrated and over. What are things I think are underrated and overrated? And she goes, "Oh, you think everything's overrated?" And I was like, "Okay, what's something I think is underrated?" And she goes, "Oh, you think everything is underrated?" And I was like, "I can't be both." <laughs> and then I was like, "Give me a specific example of either." And she goes, "I can't think of any." And I was like, "This sounds like a you thing. This sounds like something you're projecting onto me. No details." Uh, and, I don't but know, I man. think I think comedy acting is so underrated. Yes. As an actual art form. Right. I think that acting in a comedy is hard, and I think it is underrated. Because it's... people are like, look at the funny person being funny. I think, and I will I say to this day often, Rachel McAdams deserved an Oscar nomination for Mean Girls, and there are mm. 10 equivalent performances every 10 years Yeah, in comedy no, that no one else could do. It's so funny, too, because it's it's even the thing that actors acknowledge is harder than the thing they're constantly like lauded for. You know, when people are like, oh, my God, the dramatic performance, like, I'm gonna be honest with you. Comedy is way harder than it's this so much harder thing. to it's, be funny than it is to pretend to be Lyndon Johnson <laughs> <laughs> or whatever. Be funny award and someone's Lyndon. Winning. It's actually hard to pretend to be Lyndon Johnson and that not yeah. be funny. As yeah. since he was somebody oh, you talking who about the new movie Lyndon B. Laughing. Yeah, <laughs> he did use his uh, AIDS as uh, piss screens. Uh, yeah. yeah, and just like those calls. I mean, how do you do with a straight face to say bunghole like right. he does, and like try and be right. like while and, being sworn in. Right, right. And have that delivered <laughs> while being sworn in with yeah. the right. Jackie, Jackie widow. Kennedy standing right there. <laughs> yeah, bunghole. I'm just and saying I, it's a funny word. Faithfully execute the duties of this office upon my bunghole. <laughs> All right. He has his entire there suit pulled up over the top of his head like Beavis, <laughs> like Cornholio. Yeah, Cornholio pulled up over his head. That dude is one of my like. He, uh, Daniel O'Brien uh, from Cracked and now uh, last week tonight used to uh, talk about like just there's all these wild stories behind the scenes. He would make reporters do interviews with him while he was pooping on the toilet, like because it was like a power move of some yeah, sort. Hell yeah. Um, he would show people his uh, what he called big jumbo because uh, I guess he had a big a big uh, penis. He exposed and, himself a lot to people? Yeah, tons. 
Uh, that makes and that I mean, was, yeah. What am yeah. I? Why am I surprised that, uh, <laughs> that someone who runs the United States isn't also flashing their dick when they get the yeah. chance at some point? <laughs> Imagine running a country because a guy died and not having a weird ego. Right. <laughs> right, exactly. And then being like, well, he left me with a fucking mess of a country right now. Right. Fuck. Well, I mean, that's assuming that he had nothing to do with it, which yeah. now you've seen the picture. Kyle. You've seen the picture. <laughs> Why was he ever smiling? Um, the yeah, he's like looking at <laughs> looking over at JFK, like, Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but sorry, I distracted from your point, which I think is a really good one. The like, it's definitely harder to pull off, and like, in the case of Rachel McAdams, like, that is a more lasting performance than any dramatic performance from that year, like, culturally impactful. Uh, sorry, my son is Ramsey. Are you he doesn't like this take? He's He's been honestly laying on the ground and like stage yawning uh, during <laughs> like every time I talk. Just yeah. being like, oh man. Um, <laughs> oh man, cool gas study. <laughs> oh, you're on that one again. Yeah. To... But it's all just about how like that's a youth, like the audience thing wanting to feel when, when they won't nominate any comedy movies for Oscars. That's just because the Academy voters watching it want to feel like they're doing something serious and therefore right. like it's them. It's, it has nothing to do with like the actual power or cultural impact. Or, it does feel like, a lot like involved. uh you're right. It is jealousy. I will say right. the word. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't know what comedies came out the year Manchester by the sea came out, but I bet there are a bunch of comedians who are good at being funny and can look like sad sacks of shit. And so I think that, nope, I don't know much about Casey Affleck. I don't care to learn anything more about him. And I think he's been better in other movies, but that movie was just a guy being sad. And right. he, it's, and his version of sad was being quiet. And so he won an Oscar because a, 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 a cinematographer was good at making him look sad. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Give um, me. I mean, Give me Bill Murray in Groundhog Day, which is comedic and dramatic. Give me Rachel McAdams in Mean Girls. Give me everyone in Bridesmaids. I don't know. Will Ferrell probably should have won an Oscar for Anchorman. We're still talking about it, and no one else yeah. could have done it like that. It's, Absolutely. People just don't value it as, as an art form, but then if they when they try and do it, they look a fool, or they're just... Right. Yeah. Give me like Casey nothing... Affleck using a a baseball glove for cleanup. Like I'll take that over uh, Manchester <laughs> by the Sea. The th the, yeah, and I wonder if it's you know like they they're like you're saying, Jack. Like they can't really acknowledge how significant comedy is to culture, and right. like how how much of a lasting impression that leaves on the audience. Like more people quote you know not that it's I'm saying this is needs to get an Academy Award, but more people will quote Dumb and Dumber than fucking saving private Ryan or something like that. Like there's, yes. there's something about comedy that like it really uplifts us and like we can draw upon something positive just like with a recollection of it. And like, granted, of course, like dramatic acting is an art form in and of itself as well, but and, and, and to not like hold it to up, do art form. Right. right. It, and it, I, it's also wild. Yeah. Like, so to not hold them up and be able to say like, it's like the Grammys saying like the only music is classical music. Right. It's like, right. Yeah, yeah, fuck? exactly. No, you idiot. What are you talking about? Like, people turn up to all this other shit. Like, I don't know if we, we have need to, to just do that. like Oscars need to do what the Golden Globes do. But then generally the Golden Globes gives the best comedic or musical performance to whatever is the most dramatic thing that pretends to be a comedy. To be, like yeah. right. Martian to game the or system. something. Yeah. Yeah. The most dramatic movie that also made us laugh this year. Yeah. I also <laughs> wonder if there's something changing because like uh, not to keep hearkening back to cracked. I have uh cracked on my brain, but the first podcast we did on uh for the cracked podcast was about like how um comedy like ages poorly compared to drama, and like old comedy movies aren't really funny anymore, except for like the Marx Brothers because they went uh town to town and just like honed these jokes that were like ir funny irrelevant of what town they were doing it in um i i just wonder if like now it seems like things have like we still think anchorman is funny i don't know you guys are younger than me but like it seems like people i think that fewer i think i do think that fewer comedies hold up over long term than dramas that do yeah 
And I think even fewer dramas hold up than like an action. Like Die Hard is so old at this point by movie yeah. standards and feels like a movie that could have come out a year ago. But comedies from that year, there's like a Naked Gun sequel, which has probably kind of funny, but does I just, you know, doesn't hold up as much as these other things. So it seems to be like this the couple of comedies from most years that hold up, whether it's like Groundhog Day or Airplane or movies like that that, that hold up for a while. But I, I kind of think, blockbusters tend to hold up the best we still watch jurassic park yeah that's uh, you know true. everything that is an avatar we'll still go back and watch jaws i think is often mm-hmm. cited as one of the movies that holds up the best and that's a whole nother oscar me. gripe that i have is uh you know who we don't acknowledge that these movies that influence culture more than anything else should be, get any sort of nomination for this stuff let alone Thank stunt you. people in movies let alone acknowledging that computers help make movies now Academy it, Awards could be so much more fun. Yeah, it like feels like the Major League Baseball of 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 awards. Yes, yeah, it's where yeah. you're like, come on, that's come kind on. of where like the MTV Movie Awards got it right, where they would get super specific, like wildest fucking fight scene. Yeah, and then yeah. you're like, yeah. oh shit, <laughs> it actually gave you something like really. You're like actually comparing like from Blade Two. I'm like, okay, let's like watch this fight scene and trying to even. Yeah. I remember yeah. watching the shit and like talking to my friends, like, you really thought that was better. From right. Matrix. Okay. Whatever. Okay. Like, just make like, some more just... awards. I don't know. The, John Wick get nominated for nothing. We all talked about it for four years. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. But yeah. I guess that's where it's like, what? Yeah. Th- I wonder if, if the Academy can take itself a little less seriously and understand that, like, film itself is something much larger than, like, if the, the people tuxedo... who call themselves the Academy can take themselves less seriously. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> it's you're talking about a bunch of people who work in something they call the industry. And I say they, I'm part of that. But right. the industry, maybe doctors should be the industry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And everyone making make up like, I work like racist lies that poison <laughs> yeah. our brains. Like you think, because like also too, you look at a movie like Crash, that won Best Picture in two thousand six. That motherfucker doesn't hold up at it's a all. It didn't ever, hold ever. up it when it became won. a punchline in I an know, hour. Of course, I mean for people who had half a brain in two thousand six, you're like, are y'all seeing this? And then you're like, yeah. okay, so white people are in charge of everything, and like it was hitting a little ally chord. So people were like, oh, this is so good, this is so good, so good. Yeah, yeah, and they would never make that mistake again two years ago with Green Book. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, how I would be so much more let they keep talking about like people aren't as interested in the Oscars anymore. Like if they just did an award that was the best uh special effect in mo- in any movie and you just got to see like how they did it. Like, I would love that. That would be so fun. Like yeah. cuz they do that with like they have the like behind the scenes costuming and like all these things they do to honor those arts. But like I don't know. That would be nice. Yeah. Behind the scenes, because you know what, I feel I feel like we lost, like we sort of lost the magic of filmmaking too, because we don't see as much behind the scenes stuff. I remember, like on HBO, part of the whole marketing thing would be a fifteen minute behind inside look at the making of a film that right. was coming mm-hmm. out, and you get to see like them between takes, the technology being used, and that for me as a child, like anything that was behind the scenes, anything always had my imagination going even further because I'm like, oh, wow, like this is how you do it. These are jobs you could have this, that, and the other. And I think because like with that content being less there, it's like we're just focusing like the actors more. And we right, only yeah. think like the one thing you do is be pretty in front of camera and talk. Yeah, like, but they, all the even, other arts. You always are hear lost. stories about how those behind the scenes are what prompted so and so to become a filmmaker or so and so to get. Every time you ever see any visual effects person, they're like, I saw a 10 minute behind the scenes about a, how a head exploded in Evil Dead and I wanted to do this and now I'm. And I'm. That's beautiful. Yeah. The yeah. credits are so long. Right. Yeah, the credits are so long. <laughs> uh, what is something you think is overrated? Okay, this. Uh, I wrote two things down. One is too specific. And the other one is all okay. First thing, uh, the style of all those how every home ends up in an HGTV renovation show. Everyone's oh. house is looking the same now. Yeah, don't live in a barn. Everyone and wants ca- new barn Cape Cod shit. I call the look wedding invitation. That seems to be the look <laughs> that a lot of houses are ending up to be right now. I call it wedding invitation, and it's crazy because I think you know what I'm talking about. I know half script. Oh yeah. Like, Everything is, oh, you know, we we installed a barn. We're, here's what we're going to do. We're going to open up this space. We're going to expose those beams, throw an island in there. And then mm-hmm. what we're going to do is uh, everything's going to be half in cursive, half not in cursive. And it's going to look <laughs> like no one lives here. It's going to look like we took the air out of the room B&B. 
And <laughs> every I, those shows are kind of watchable because I think it's fun to watch them destroy houses. But then at the end, every single one looks the same. And then you start noticing them in your neighborhood. You're like, right. oh, it looks yeah. like a flip house. Don't worry, we gutted the porch. We put two rocking chairs on there. Painted everything white. Everything yeah. is white. The outside's black. Right. Uh, and then everything's we reclaimed. We actually were able to go down to the original beams and then restore those. <laughs> and which I, I get, like, like wood floors. I like wood yeah. beams, but they all look the same. They all look like a wedding invitation. They all look like, oh, this house, it was designed by two sentient mason jars. And <laughs> what they did is, and that's like what it all feels like. I don't even hate the, and the, those. Yeah. H, yeah. And like They're the good, mindless TV, live, laugh, and then I get sign. mad. Yeah, every one, every one of them. Then by the end of it, I'm like, I swear to God, if they put another free, if they change, just, I, I want to look, I want to see what it looks like when the people move their crap in that doesn't match. I want right. to see what like, it looks ah, like when they're like shit. fighting over if the guy can keep his lazy boy. Like, I just right. want to kind of see what it looks like when they're done. They're so generic. It makes me frustrated with it. And that's a very fun, mindless watch are a lot of these renovation shows. But then at that point, I'm like, why is this guy look the same? If they showed me that, I'd be like, why am I living in a model home? Yeah. Or just right. specialize them. Like, be like, yo, what's yeah. the goth version? Because that's, that's what Pimp My Ride did so well that wasn't practical at all because it was cars. Yeah. Right. Pimp My Ride would be like, okay, so we did put up, we fixed your engine. We got you new brakes. We did put a fish tank instead of a passenger seat. <laughs> <laughs> also, good luck in for affording insurance, insurance right, on this exactly. new car. <laughs> there is a live fish. You have to feed your car. Because we saw on Zanga seven years ago, you said you like fish. So we <laughs> put a fish tank in, and at least. But then it's a car. It's not practical. In a house, put give them the stuff they like. Yeah. Yeah. I know. What do I you can't imagine do? the engine. That's fun. Pimp, you ever read old Pimp My Ride people who are on there talking about how they just gutted and sold their car two yeah. weeks after the show? Exactly. They're like, I couldn't afford that shit. It's impractical. <laughs> but like, yeah. yeah, even with like the that new style, the fucking new barn, Cape Cod, like those Everything's you know, gotta people be a do barn. the door that like slides across, yeah. oh, not yeah. a fucking yeah. on a hinge. Have you ever been to a house and tried to take a shit? With a door like that, <laughs> yes. you don't feel like you have privacy. Right, it's weird. And I'm my like, house is a bar is in Bushwick. Uh, that is my my water closet is right over there. It says WC on my bathroom door, and you're right. like, please just right. let me go. Yeah, all, I got this old pickle barrel uh, that yeah. we use to house the toilet, so it's real whimsical in there. <laughs> my great grandmother, her remains are the bathtub. <laughs> But we took down all the pictures of her and put up <laughs> pictures uh, that are and a no little bit more like And no one has TVs in this house. They're like, we put 17 different chairs and a poof in here right. in the kids' room. And you're like, I know what the kids want. You should put USB ports in the outlets. Right. You should put USB ports in the outlets. I need 40-foot USB cables that they can just <laughs> right. walk around with their iPads just to well, leave me alone. There's no router in the house yeah. you just made. <laughs> Chip and Joanna Gaines, they're fucking up. This entire country. I think that's the people I'm talking about. Is. I think that's the people I'm talking about because theirs is even more repetitive than most of yeah. the other ones. It's offensive. Chip and Joe, I mean, like, the, and the whole, like, Magnolia Network fucking yeah. industry brand that they have. It's like, you're just, it's it's funny because, like, in certain places, especially like America, like, we're, we have such a consumer culture. Like, we just take our cues from ads and TV. Like, no one actually develops their own taste a lot of the time. Like, yeah. it's sort of like a collection of Instagram posts. And like yes. with Chip and Joanna Gaines and like that have Magnolia aesthetic, like that is like the new thing everyone just sort of like is like aspiring to mindlessly. If you have, but really you know what is timeless in a home is your stuff and your life, and that's yeah, what I right. wish I saw a little bit of this and always, stories. Yeah, it about feels the ex- things you have. Photos. Right, people of your are going to move into them. They they picked their art for the walls and stuff, and I'm just like, but don't you? What do you? Why would you want someone else to put that stuff on the wall? Plus, most of the time you're you're actually paying like. Uh, at least eighty percent of it for that anyway. So yeah. that's how those shows work. The Property Brothers uh just like redid, like basically took a house down in my neighborhood to like studs, build oh. it back up. Looks like exactly what you're talking about. Uh Dog shit. and like yeah. sold it at like we've the taken most the actual practical premium. love of hardwood floors and gone too far with it. <laughs> hardwood floors are right. wonderful. We, that everyone agreeing that those are good has like now turned into this entire thing. The whole also, house is hardwood floor. <laughs> <laughs> Your ceilings are hardwood floors. Don't touch them. Don't touch One of the property brothers is dating uh, Zoe Deschanel, which feels like the most perfect like uh, right. accoutrement to like their aesthetic sense <laughs> is so like. Funny. 
And uh, so in your house, I actually have my girlfriend's Zoe Deschanel. She stands in the corner <laughs> right. all of the time. But the right. dress she's wearing actually complements the uh, fan above your stove. Right. <laughs> uh, all right. Let's take a quick break, and we will be right back. And we're back. Uh, let's talk about uh, some bullshit. Uh, actually, I've kind of been waiting for this study to happen uh, right. without realizing it. Somebody uh, did a study to see like what would America have looked like if um, they had had a competent uh, pandemic response. Yeah. I mean, you know, the medical journal, The Lancet, they're the ones who put this study out. And it's just like, sort of it's like a study that's sickening and no shit at the same time like yeah. when you just see it well the top line is basically that 40 percent of the covid deaths that occurred in the united states were preventable and but they're also saying it's not just trump like this is sort of part and parcel of the momentum we we have with our just deteriorating healthcare system um but what they're saying in this uh, article or this uh study is, quote, many of the cases and deaths were avoidable. Instead of galvanizing the U.S. populace to fight the pandemic, President Trump uh, publicly dismissed its threat despite privately acknowledging it, discouraged action on, uh, as infections spread, and eschewed international cooperation. His refusal to develop a national strategy worsened shortages of personal protective equipment and diagnostic tests. President Trump politicized mask wearing and school reopenings and, con and convened indoor events it, it attended by thousands, where masks were discouraged and physical distancing was impossible. And so they got this on top of that. They're saying, OK, so clearly he was actively trying to make it worse. But let's also look at other G7 nations. So countries that are of similar economic uh, backgrounds, I would say, development. Uh, they're saying the way they did it is comparing the covid deaths in the U.S. with the average, like the weighted average of other G7 nations. And we were just like we had 450,000 excess, like excess deaths or something. Oh, no, I'm sorry. We had hundreds of thousands of excess deaths when comparing it to these other countries that had a response that was the somewhat opposite of what Donald Trump did. Yeah. I mean, so similar circumstances, different response. Here's like the the surplus of deaths that we yeah. had, as sad as that sounds. Yeah. This sounds like from the makers of Did You Know Gun Control Might Help comes, <laughs> right. hey, this also would have worked. The right. sequel no one wanted to have to ask for. Yeah, which is like why it's like I was saying, like I wrote this up of like in sickening no shit yeah. news, but it's just up, you know, it's like something we have to actually go through measuring to understand, even though we all could see the effects of it in real time. But and on top of all this, they're saying, you know, the U.S. has already been dying at a faster rate than most G7 nations because our health care is just this fucked up death casino. So right. they're saying already, right, um, when compared to similar countries in the G7 already stood like U.S. deaths already had 450,000 excess deaths in 2018 alone. Wow. When comparing it to other countries like and people and will remember 2018 wasn't when covid happened <laughs> right. this is just regular times when regular we were the greatest country off. in the world with our flawless yeah. plan exactly and it, if they say we're saying if and a lot of those deaths come from people under the age of 65 and is that are they including like speaking of gun control are they including gun deaths in that or that's just like healthcare related i think like, it's just fuckery. yeah in terms of like life expectancy and those things like that um and just looking like oh wow. Wow. And yeah, they said if you if they were equivalent to like the other G7 nations, they say because they say two out of every five people who are passing away were under the age of 65. They're saying a lot of those people like they would have added up to all of the people who like lost their lives from covid. If we could even get, you know, to the to similar levels of life expectancy. But uh -oh. we just ha we have a awful, you know, <laughs> there's no support system for people. And we have increasing despair deaths and all these other things that are all sort of systemic. Um, so it's like, yeah, like on top of already the terrible leadership, the Lancet's also like, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, let's you also this has been happening for a while in the U.S. This was this was obviously made things even worse. But we also just it, just screaming why we need to change our healthcare system. But it's not it's not uh, 
like they say that that number, the 450,000 in 2018 alone, is a number that's been climbing for decades. So it's not yeah. like a condition that is uh, part of like the American character. It is all this deregulation and just letting, uh, you know, health insurance companies and just corporations run roughshod over the population. I would love to see the overlap of like uh, the wealth disparity in the United States versus the unnecessary mm-hmm. death increase in the United States. And I bet those lines yeah. look fairly similar yeah. because they seem to like line up with people's. In- I mean, I've had such a recent, but not even recent years and years been dealing with a health issue that I has got me firsthand like battling with the healthcare system here in and out of having insurance. And you just do eventually get frustrated and I'm and you're just like, I'm done. It's too much work. I'll ride it out. And you see, this is this is me who has a ton of energy and is young and can deal with the weird tech and is good at being on the phone with insurance companies. Right. It's such a frustrating system. This stuff sometimes feels like so many overwhelmingly bleak numbers that it is hard to take in. And uh, I think people just distance themselves from it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. It's- it's just an awful thing to have to think about, like, you know, to anybody in the last year, right? To think if you've lost someone from COVID and then there's a good chance that person might still be here yeah. because for, for any number of reasons. And then even on top of that, the fact that we are, yeah, I mean, like, that's like the, the fucking American superpower is like turning your, your consciousness off to like all of the just awful things that are around you like that yeah. you can see if you bothered to look it's not you know, that it's- they're not affecting you that's what's what sometimes you hear people saying they need it to affect them directly and i do i don't really i don't know i i don't you kind of get that you can warp yourself into being like oh this person didn't care about covid till it someone they knew got it or died or something this is affecting everybody if you just really pay attention or are willing to pay attention yeah. because it, it it's it's so prevalent and has been that it is in your face if you care. Yeah. And it like even if you have, you know, let's say you're fortunate enough to have older family members that are in good health um, and already trying to navigate, trying to get a vaccination right now has been hell on earth for yeah. trying to get for older people in my family, like who don't know how to use computers, who yeah. will go to a website that says all the appointments are filled up and say, oh, well, can't do anything. But we're like, no, you got to keep refreshing. And then it's, a thing it's might really, open really up frustrating. And yeah. you're like, fuck. And then now think of someone who is not in good health, who has other issues going on on top of that, trying to navigate this system. And that's before COVID, too. It's you know, like we're like, asking the elderly in our country to battle Ticketmaster scalpers to try <laughs> right. and live. Right. And yeah. you have Sneaker to get on bots. and refresh and, 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 and snag Radiohead tickets to survive or something right. like that. Right. They're like, what's Radiohead? Like, right. What's and Radiohead, like, Grandma? Come on. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> this is right. where you're not getting a vaccine. The, they're starting from the base level of, well, I used to camp out for this. And you're like, well, that's good because you might have to get back into doing that. <laughs> yeah, seriously. I actually uh, last week was volunteering in Arizona helping with the logistics of distributing vaccines at Arizona State. And I, uh, I got my first vaccine at the end of the day which mm. was a wonderful thing. And I got lucky enough to be one of 100 volunteers who got to do this. And I was in Arizona just spending time with my girlfriend. Anyways, it talking to people about the hell they'd been through trying to get the appointments, I'm just the last person who verifies who they are before they get them. Right. And you just you see the relief on their face, but still understand the frustration that has gone through. And then a lot of people just showed up like, please, do you have any? And it's just, yeah, it feels a little bit like lifeboats on the Titanic all over and over and over again, except the government made everyone get on the boat knowing it was going to run into something. Right. right. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, also, I know we pre-sold six... the lifeboats. Actually, uh, yeah. <laughs> we were oh, and the tickets. thing, yeah, the thing about the lifeboats is it is once again a financially based thing. It's, it's essentially bottle service at the club. Yeah. Can you afford a bottle? <laughs> okay, then we're not going to come through with sparklers and the vaccine. Right. There will be a sparkler in the, in the lifeboat, uh, <laughs> right. so that'll be kind of dope. Uh, yeah, even like the um, 60-year-old person who I know who was able to get it like without, you know, going through all sorts of different uh, methods, like had to get it because somebody she knew was like working at a clinic. Like it's 
It's straight up just like an indictment of the system that it's just like corruption. It's wild. That, it's yeah. not working. Hey, so how much risk did we unnecessarily put your life in? Did we put your life in enough unnecessary risk to where you are able to continue safely living? Like you right. have to like have earned. Has right. in the last year have you almost died? If so, we might give you this thing maybe if you're quick enough right. to right. maybe not almost die. Um, and just to tie this to uh. Ted Cruz's relationship with the cast of The Princess Bride. Oh. Uh, <laughs> I, I want to jump ahead to this story just because something that we talk about all the time on this show, but that is worth just banging over the head is the Inigo Montoya. <laughs> yeah. You know, who killed his father? Who killed him? And they should prepare to die. <laughs> the people on the right who are the ones who stand in the way of this shit being changed. I mean, there's also the centrists like the Obama administration letting. The insurance industry write uh, the legislation for Obamacare. But, uh, you know, the people on the right are the ones who are absolutely like if they just disappeared tomorrow, you would be able to make a lot more progress and at least get the U.S. closer to these other G7 countries where it's not like, uh, well, you got to live or die by the free market, literally. Uh, Anyways, uh, they tend to accuse the other side of exactly what is wrong with them mm-hmm. um and so ted cruz uh claimed on his podcast at the risk of he's a know, fucking podcast? ruining this medium yes ted cruz has a podcast yo fuck the ted cruz podcast <laughs> thank you uh <laughs> it's fun to think about ted cruz figuring out audacity right yeah oh, i'm sure well, he definitely has the audacity <laughs> right his podcast is called the audacity of nope I would imagine. (laughs) Uh, He claimed that movies uh, these days uh, on a recent podcast often have, quote, rabid environmentalists as the bad guys, adding that, quote, the view of the left is that people are a disease. Uh, And then he points to the examples such as Avengers, Endgame and Watchmen, Uh, which so he is he's comparing the uh you know rabid leftists who make movies uh with the ideology of thanos so he like th- i don't know if he's okay. ever seen a movie because he's supposing that the people who make movies always agree with the views of the villain uh, you can tell they agree with the views of the villain by how the villain doesn't get killed in the end right and then right. lives happily ever after. Thanos the notoriously hero. survived Avengers Endgame. Yeah, and and oh, was right. Alert. Uh, they he he added they buy into the Malthusian line that there are too many people in the world. People are bad, and everything would be better if we had fewer people. Thanos wanted to eliminate fifty percent of life forms in the universe with one finger snapping. Uh, which is so such funny a- to watch that and get anything except the viewpoint that so like, then all of the good guys banded together to defeat right. him and find a way to fix this actually. Like, so it, you you would four be, hours long and there's thirty eight of them. <laughs> you would be led to believe that he has never seen a movie and just like has no idea like how movies work or narrative structure. He, he is he has these movies that he's like he is actually obsessed with uh Aladdin for instance he yep. said that he would not go through with his wedding if uh he was not allowed to play a whole new world and sing it maybe i, I that's thing, how i picture it yeah well i think it was for his dance and he wanted to but it the thing was remember he insisted that the the wedding band that did it couldn't right. play it because it had to be the CD version because that's right. the lit version, not the and that fucking was cover. The, and that was the one that he had been practicing <laughs> to in front of a mirror for so right. long. But uh, his favorite movie, even more than Aladdin, is The Princess, uh, the Princess Bride. Uh, that's fucked up because that was one of my favorite movies. Me kid. too. It's so good. <sighs> it's so good. But he, so he is in a battle with, like, so... Uh, the cast of the Princess Guy- Bride kind of found out that it's his favorite movie, and the star Carrie Elwes, you know, pointed out that it must suck for Ted Cruz because literally everyone in his most beloved movie, uh, fucking hates his guts. Uh, and Ted Cruz responded with a photograph, uh, of from the movie that has been autographed, uh, by Carrie Elwes and says to. 
uh, Senator Cruz. And he was like, uh, does this mean you want your picture back, Carrie? And Carrie was like, dude, that I never, I never signed that. That's so weird. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> Thank hi, you Michael Jordan. Helpful. I bought this basketball card of yours. Are you my best friend? <laughs> right. Uh, it's and oh then, shit! I never signed that. Oh shit. wow, Yo, that's bro. so funny. It's uh, so specific too. Yeah, Mandy Potemkin has come out, and I, I think he wrote an editorial back in 2015, being like, you know, the just talking about how Ted Cruz clearly doesn't understand the Princess Bride, which is like, uh, in addition to you know, a great fun movie, is like a Vietnam war uh metaphor as are all movies <laughs> from that era um uh, <laughs> i just can't imagine ted cruz is like well at least i can turn on my favorite song fortunate son by credence clearwater <laughs> revival and just listen to this pro-war pro-military ballad yep. <laughs> uh anyways uh shout out to the cast of princess bride and fuck I ted cruz look if you're not allowed to watch movies where the actors hate you my favorite movie is national treasure and john voight probably thinks i'm a piece of shit right so, <laughs> everyone That's else what i was like thinking me. uh our writer jam McNabb wrote this up and was like could you imagine like loving a movie where you know everybody hates your guts and like well not specifically like bruce willis doesn't know i exist but I bet he would be like, you fucking punk. He would probably yeah. <laughs> hate me and think I was whack for asking him to put on a mask uh, while outside of his home. Anyways, uh, fuck Ted Cruz, I think is the moral of that story. Also, I want like, everyone to know who's listening. Uh, in, in, this is the longest single section of notes I've ever seen you guys have for any topic in the show in the history of me doing it <laughs> for Ted Cruz being dragged by the cast <laughs> of The Princess Bride. Two, five pages out of Google Man, We're not fucking around. We're not fucking around. We got to know it from after, every angle. Three lines in here is 500,000 dead from pandemic, but then just under it is seven <laughs> and a half pages of a Google Doc of Princess Bride, which I yeah. believe is okay. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's, you know, that's the credit to JM. He's he's thorough with it. And I, I don't want to admit to it now. I have never seen The Princess Bride. Oh, but man. I think oh, it's man. important for me to say. It's not important. It's just yeah. a fun movie with Andre Whatever. the Giant uh, yeah. being... It's all awesome. whatever. Yeah. We're not. I, I, I've I've uh, moved past having reactions like that. I was like, yeah. Oh, you've never seen that. Yeah. It just felt oh. important for the context of the entire conversation. Yeah. Well, that's if, fine. If I everyone thought I was deflecting to national treasure too much, I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> Your pro John Voight stance. I mean, oh, him and Anaconda. Come on. The thing, but like Ted Cruz, he really has the worst taste in movies. Like when you know that his favorite movies are Aladdin and Princess Bride, he's clearly like has to live in a world where he like regresses to these sort of childlike fantasy stories that right. like keep him protected from like the reality of the cruel world. Right. So yeah. I don't know a this, lot about yeah. the princess bride, but there's this guy in the mask here in the pictures. Does Ted Cruz just like movies where young men pretend? It, they do have the same theme of a guy who like knows a girl and then comes back undercover and pretends to be something he's not. And like, wow, this doesn't relate to anything to any conspiracy theories about who, who Ted Cruz might actually right. be. I do. So somebody or tweeted, Heidi Cruz's relationship with him. Right. Huh. 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 Interesting. Because remember, like, there, there's that one thing about where his daughter was so clear eyed about, like, how, like, the mom, like, could have just exercised her agency and left Ted Cruz. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah. During his, like, run for president, she president, was like, Mom, yeah. you really fucked up by marrying this guy. Uh, you she's like, You could have done why better. Why did you quit your job? You don't make money. And she's <laughs> like, Well, no, but if he's president, and she's like, Well, do you make money as first lady? She's like, No. And she's like, Then why would you do that, Mom? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh man, but he's a he's a heroic man who stands up for the women he loves. Uh, I wonder. I bet he is. I don't know. I won't speculate, but I I think he would probably be more identifying with the characters who have like the strong person come in and sweep them off their feet and protect them because he's certainly not doing that. He's more throw my wife under the bus after somebody calls her <laughs> unattractive. Yeah, um, we call those heroes. Yes, thank you. <laughs> uh, let's take a quick break. We'll be right back.
and we're back. Let's talk about cocaine hippopotamuses. Uh, yeah. Let's keep the it. The yayo hippos. Hippopotami. Yayo hippo. Colombia. Hippopotamo. You know, Pablo Escobar, El Padrino, the most famous narco uh, ever, you know, left many legacies behind in his death. But aside from just the bustling cocaine trafficking network, uh, there was a ton of wild animals that he had at his like estate up in the hills near, um, I think, Bogota. Um, but anyway, when he died in 93, like the, the government went there like this motherfucker has a full on zoo with all these exotic animals that should not be here. They're like, what are we going to do with this? So most of them they were able to put into different zoos because like they had the actual facilities to handle these animals. But the biggest problem that they had were these African hippos that he had. They were just so big. They didn't know where to fucking put them. Like it, just moving them around was like a huge thing. So they figured, look, let's just lock the gates and leave them there. And smart, smart. Hopefully they'll just die from neglect. <laughs> so fast forward, they in fact did not die. <laughs> they they fucking not. thrived. And now we're at this point where there's like a lot of biologists and ecologists like are raising concerns. And it's like this huge debate right now over because like they've become an invasive species um, in like the River Magdalena River Basin area. They're like, we actually need to cull them for this to not get out of hand. But it's kicked off like a massive debate over do they need to be culled? Is there a way to sterilize them? Half the like most of the people in Colombia like love the hippos too, like just sort right. of like the photos of them. So they have a very unique problem that this massive Coke dealer left behind them. And they took over it. the drug trade. The hippos took <laughs> yeah. over the drug trade. It's they are, I think, probably they're among the most dangerous species to humans because they're the ratio of how adorable they are to how quickly they will literally Turn bite up. you in half. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like they that's what they're known for doing. They're like the de- they're I don't know officially. I think they're like right after mosquitoes, aren't they? It's like mosquitoes overwhelmingly so kill more people than any other animal for obvious right. reasons. But hippos like feel like they murder more humans than any yeah. other animals. And I'm down. This honestly I've never been this feels like the plot to that movie Annihilation that I didn't understand, where just kind of something <laughs> takes over and we think we can tell it not to. And it's like, this isn't you anymore. Right. Yeah. This is ours. I mean, let him let him have it. To the the danger statistic in 2016, like there was a report saying at, up up until 2016, they were saying hippos were killing around 500 people a year in Africa. That's that's a lot of people. Uh, but he's so close to the hippo. It's huge. And the the wild thing too is like Colombia is like a fucking vacant. It's like an Eden for these hippopotami hippos. Like it's completely different than Africa, and it's like actually it's to their benefit. Um, they're saying it's quote an evolutionary opportunity. They have no natural predators in South America, so they can re- reproduce much more easily. The weather helps. Um, because of the droughts that happen in Africa, that acts as like uh, population control mechanisms that are natural. Colombia, baby, it's nice and damp. There's no, there is no fucking drought, and that means now that like it's creating an ideal environment where now they are reproducing at earlier ages than they even would in Africa. I love so it. So that the numbers they're looking at, they're saying like right now there's around eighty to one hundred twenty hippos. By 2034, there could be over 1,200 if they don't actually begin putting controls in place. And so, like, some people just want to shoot them. Other people want to sterilize them. But in, I just want to point to this. In 2009, the people, the public went nuts when the Colombian army, as they say, quote, gunned down the hippo Pepe in 2009 after it was deemed a threat to local communities. It was enough to lead authorities to make hippos legally protected which is now an oh. obstacle to any plans to cull them. So it's wild. I just have never been that hippos, let, sorry, one animal thrives and now we're like, it's news. Sorry, one species, they lock into <laughs> right. something, then they get it. Just let them do what they want. You want to, if you want to kill the hippos, I don't know how much a hippo weighs. You should have an like equal weight tons. amount of humans fighting it with their hands. So if they right. weigh 10,000 pounds, then you could have 10,000 pounds of human fight them to the death and that could be you know however many 50 200 pound guys or 100 100 pound martial artists it's up to them on how they want to divvy up the poundage but that's the look give the hippos their land what are you gonna there's no way that you can farm in the land that 
Pablo Escobar had. It's all tunnels. It's all secret tunnels. <laughs> so there's no, you can't till this. You're going to break into another tunnel. So just give, I, I'm just team hippo. I, I'm ignorant to the whole topic. I barely even know anything about the geography of where these things are, aside from the terms you're saying. I don't know the difference in the landscape. I enjoy you explaining why the hippos are thriving. The, sorry, it's not the hippos' fault they're there. Yeah. Right. But I think Let that's why they're trying to, because they're, you know, they, there's people pointing to like the dangers it faces, like that it could affect like the chemistry of like the riverways, and that would affect the the fish right. populations Their poop and is things toxic. like that. Yeah. There's also studies that say it's not the effect isn't as great as they're reporting it. So like right now, I think it seems to be that there's maybe two forms of thought of like one is like let's just kill them all, uh, right. and another is like let's be a little more humane about this <laughs> um, because we're not also don't see as much of like the alarm because the the other thing is too. There haven't been any recorded deaths from any of the hippos. So there's still very much the public sees them as just like these animals that are here and they're like, oh, cool. Right. I but wonder if maybe he got stuff. like one of the like really nice families of hippos and like these are going to be like the dog, what dogs <laughs> are to wolves of hippos. If we could take all of my knowledge of hippos, I think <laughs> if they're hungry, what you need to do is give them <laughs> the small marbles. white yeah. marbles, uh-huh. and then they'll be less hungry, and yep. your dad will get mad and get rid of the game. <laughs> yeah. Like, for example, one of the biologists, uh, Natalie Castelblanco, who was, like, one of the people who was talking about, like, the issues and possible solutions, including, you know, killing them, she immediately re- received death threats from the public. That's what so, I'm like, saying. I mean, yeah, like it's hard because I think it's one thing when you hear an invasive species is a plant or a, an insect. Right. But like when you have this thing that in our like ch- children's books, you never hippo is never a thing of like, oh, oh, hippo. It's always like and then there's big hippo. That is nice that we we still have like this uh, relationship to them where they're like, they're mammals. <laughs> so yeah. this uh, this scientist Castel Blanco, I need to know if Castel is uh, translates to castle. I just need to know if their last name's White Castle. It's uh, <laughs> not really related to the hippo, hippo situation. Real but this is either my fourth favorite person or my favorite person, depending on how this translation <laughs> pans out. That's, uh, but I do think that is like all of our invasive species to this point, none of them have been adorable. We've had zebra mussels, we've had like, you know, carp. We've had, you know, right. things that were people are going to be fine getting rid of, but yeah. hippos are too cute. Baby hippos are, it's one of the biggest discrepancies from baby animal to full-size animal of, like, the cuteness scale. Yeah. And so you, I, if you show someone a baby hippo, no matter what you're, if you're saying this baby hippo figured out Must guns. Be shot in the head. <laughs> like, if you're like, this hippo grew thumbs and figured out guns and cybersecurity like yeah. hacking, but look at it, and people will be like, "We got it. We can't do anything about that." Yeah. Yeah. What are we going to do? We can't do? impeach that hippo. Come on, yeah. I know. Come on, didn't know what it was doing. It's out of office <laughs> anyway. Uh, that hippo didn't incite anything. Let's, let's do impeachment real quick. Girl, I'm talking about impeaching this creep. The Democrats wrapped up the impeachment managers, I guess is what we're calling yes. them. Uh, wrapped up their case. The Republicans continued to cartoonishly ignore it, like they're a. Uh, a petulant kid uh, with like a teacher they don't like. Um, Rand Paul sat with his back to the screen while they were presenting things, uh, taking notes, aka probably like doodling on his notepad, and then left halfway through uh, the manager's description of the president putting Mike Pence's life in danger. Um, yeah, I mean they're Josh doing. Holly a- was like laying down in the yeah. gallery. Yeah, they're like even the very conservative wall street journal editorial board is like it looks bad like the nothing's gonna happen obviously like these guys are making it clear nothing's gonna happen but like this is a very bad look and like he he should never run for a republican office again but that's the whole thing is uh yeah, I think the only recourse people are going to have is to get on the asses of corporations that continue to donate to these people. Yeah. That's yeah. like because yeah. there's no way to fucking reason, uh, not even a 14 minute video that would make anyone shiver at how like intense all this shit was, especially for the people that were fucking there, um, that you could watch that and still be like, yep, can't do anything about that. Um, we know that's coming. And yeah, like I feel like even when you hear about Mitch McConnell He's apparently not pressuring 
senators to do anything. Like he's not going one Same way or the other. Vote your conscience. Yeah. Yeah. And I part of that is you know with him he is worried about the money. Where right. does all the super PAC money go? Where does all the corporate money go? And if they, his concern, the only thing in the calculus of Mitch McConnell is if they're if we let this guy off after how bad and how glaringly obvious it was that we just sort of just turned the other way and just went through with acquitting him that could that could end up hurting us in terms of our fundraising that's the only thing they care about so i think the only other chip that is going to even be able to be played in terms of some kind of effect uh punitive effect on the republicans is to then come after the people who fund them um because it's not going to happen in this impeachment trial as we see people like it's like they were avoiding to see like video clips from like you getting really fucking drunk the night before and right. it's like embarrassing to see like oh dude i don't need to see that right now. like no no no, watch this part watch this part watch this. like no, 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 <laughs> i'm good i'm good i'm good like the that's wall- what they're doing the editorial in the wall street journal is interesting because they're like putting a lot they're like and trump will never live this down the stain is permanent on him alongside like describing these senators like you know doing <sighs> noises like as they're presenting their case just like doing the most cartoonish like i i can't hear you shit you know the people who definitely didn't have bad things to say about nancy pelosi tearing up a blank piece of paper before a speech (laughs) once Mm -hmm. and they but they're not drawing the can like connection that that's also a a hideous look for them which is weird i don't know like it does seem like in the public eye if somebody is mad about the president's actions they should be mad about this complete disregard for any consequences it's just they're just it's the base they're just they don't know what to do they're just I do playing think so, yeah. they're playing to a base that i think there's some people in areas and districts and states where they just believe that is Trump ride or die or it's not Trump ride or die. You can become a senator if you're a former college football coach who says, I stand with Trump and doesn't even campaign. Right. So they just sort of even That's like how if you strong get to, that brand is. Yeah, yeah. If you get to the nightmare that is my home state's Josh Hawley, uh, these are just people who double, triple, quadruple down because they, they know that when it comes down to like grinding out reelection, they're going to be running against someone they can call a socialist and win. Right. 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 Yeah. And then it's like, the, but God, I just it's it's really hard to think of what happens after this, because clearly this is the moment that they need to indicate to the country that they know what's at stake. And they, they are. They're saying we know what's at stake and we're actually voting for the shitty outcome. That's yeah. what we want. We want the we want the hellscape. That's what right. we're voting for. And I think that's what people need to connect a bit is that there's an entire apparatus in basically the Republican Party that's there to just say, we're here to actually accelerate the coming of the American hellscape, uh, even more so than it already is. Like Because they make a little bit more money under that hellscape in the short term. So, yeah, it makes it like, okay, I'll grind it out. And then when because let's see how many of these people actually stay if if we're we're at a point where the country really starts to fall apart even more. Um, how many people are going to like, how many Republicans are like, we actually need to do something about this. Or are they going to be further insulated and be like, I don't know. There's like a group of angry people, which are actually just downtrodden, poor people we've ignored that we're just going to treat as enemies of the state now. Yeah. I mean, it, the whole kind of alignment seems like it could be shifting, but like, they don't, they don't really have a way to know. Like QAnon obviously is pulling worse than it was before but then there's a poll that's saying four in ten republicans think uh if elected leaders will not protect america the people must do it themselves even if it requires violent actions is a finding in a recent poll uh so it's there's i think they're like well on the one hand this is a really bad look on the other um that's a lot of energy that's storming that capital, and those people probably will vote in the future, and they're not going to go away. So we'll just I mean, ride that wave. Which was funny though, because remember, did you see a lot of the charging documents that there were people that stormed the capital that didn't vote? Yeah, yeah, that's true. You know what I mean? Like yeah. so many of them didn't vote. Yeah. <laughs> so well, like, when it's rigged, so it's just you a know mob. What I mean, when it's rigged from the start. Their vote was probably dead people vote. I, it makes me right, feel crazy right. to even pretend the, to try. Their energy, like, their energy, though, is like it's not for voting. It's for violence. 
So right. yeah, it's just for hatred. them to think that they need to, they can somehow do something with that energy in the context of elections is completely misguided. Right. Uh, because these are people who don't give a shit about what happens in an election because at the end of the day, it's like, do we still have de facto white supremacy? Which box are we ticking? If it's no, then we're turning up. Right. Yeah. Well, Kyle, it's been a pleasure as always having you yeah. on the Daily Zeitgeist. Thank man. you for Where having people, me. People uh, find you, follow you, hear you, all that good stuff. Uh, well, I'm at Kyle Ayers on most of the stuff. Um, you, can, you can find me on there if you like to follow on that stuff. Uh, yeah, I think that's, you know, that's where I post about the other stuff. So, you know, it's a good way to find everybody. I got a podcast called Never Seen It, where comedians rewrite movies they've never seen. <laughs> and we read their scripts of what they just figured the movie probably is. So you can also check that out if you like movies and stuff. <laughs> uh, and is there a tweet or some other work of social media you've been enjoying? Uh, yes, I laughed really hard at this tweet. It's by at Mallcats. It's not even someone I know. Um, their name is Quarantina Fay, which is funny. But it <laughs> said, uh, my sister works in the mental health field. One day she told me, no one in this world is fully realized except Jack Black. I carry that with me wherever <laughs> I go. <laughs> I like the idea that there's like mental health conferences that are like... And as we know, Jack Black is... The... Yeah, once again, we'll be watching School of Rock and everyone cheers. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Miles, where can people find you and follow you? Twitter, Instagram, at Miles of Gray. Also check out uh, the other podcast, 420 Day Fiance, talking all kinds of trash TV, burning that tree V. Let's see, some tweets that I like. First one from Reductress, at Reductress. Slay, this private prison is woman-owned. Uh, I love that one. Uh, another one is from at Kellycopter saying, walking downhill is so embarrassing. Like, oh, look at me doing a little trot like a stupid fucking horse. I'd rather be dead. Um, keep going. I got so many, actually, because I have not been on Twitter, and I just looked at a couple things. Oh, this is Solomon Giorgio. Love this one. If you're happy and you know it, you are high. Um, <laughs> that was mine. Finally, from Kyle Grotzinger, great singer, K G R O E T Z. Uh, this is just a, a, a interaction between himself and a person at Lululemon. This first line: the Lululemon sales assistant. Typically, guys get a size up when they buy these joggers. They fit really snug. Me, skeptically, even the gay ones. Her <laughs> quietly, without missing a beat. Straight men don't buy these pants, sir. <laughs> uh, uh, you can find me on Twitter at Jack underscore O'Brien Oatmeal Influencer on Twitter tweeted I love contact list delivery they just throw the slop at your door and I run out like a little pig <laughs> and Mike Ginn tweeted if I were an anti-homeless architect I'd design a 50 foot high bench and then jump off it uh, there you go. You can find me on Twitter at Jack underscore O'Brien. You can find us on Twitter at Daily Zeitgeist. We're at The Daily Zeitgeist on Instagram. We have a Facebook fan page and a website, dailyzeitgeist.com, where we post our episodes and our footnotes. Oh, no. Or we link off to the information that we talked about in today's episode, as well as the song we uh, recommend. We're going to yes. recommend songs on a Spotify playlist instead of yeah. playing them here. Uh, yeah, you know, just, just, just want to tighten up a little bit. Uh, mm -hmm. First of all, I just want to say, InfieldFly47 on Spotify is the user who actually... He, this person got the better Spotify playlist than the one I was even making. So we're going to have wow. to link to this one because every day this person has put every song when it's available uh, on this playlist. So check out the playlist, the songs we wrote out on. Pretty easy to remember if you listen to this show. Um, and it's it's all right there. And the song that will be there momentarily uh, is a track called Rico Wait, let me make sure I've got the name right. This Rico Suave by Jerome? <laughs> no, it's actually oh, Rico Suave Bossa Nova by okay. Azimuth, which is not Azimuth, the like UK band from like long ago. This is from uh, Azimuth is like this Brazilian jazz funk trio from the 70s. So their shit is fucking, it's spicy, baby. You know, it's got that jinga, uh, as the Brasileiros only know how to do. So yeah, check this one out. Uh, Rico Suave Bossa Nova. All right. The Daily Zeitgeist is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. That is going to do it for this morning. We are back this afternoon to tell you what's trending. 
we will talk to you all then. Bye. Bye.